Hear ye, hear ye. My name is Samuel Seabury, and I present free thoughts on the proceedings of the Continental Congress. He not the rabble who scream revolution. They have not your interest at heart. Oh my god, tear this dude apart. Chaos and bloodshed are not a solution. Don't let them lead you astray. This Congress does not speak for me. Let him be. They're playing a dangerous game. I pray the king shows you his mercy. For shame. For shame. Yo, heed not you the rebels that the screams of revolution is coming. They have not are your interest it's at heart. It's hard to listen to you with a straight face. Chaos and bloodshed are already hard to us. And you shouldn't even talk. Don't let what them lead Boston? you Look astray. Look at the cost and all that we lost and you talk the about Congress. Congress does not speak for My me. My dog speaks more eloquently. You're playing a dangerous but strangely, game. strangely, your mange is I the same. I pray the king Shows you his mercy. Is he in Jersey? For shame. For the revolution. For shame. He'd if you repeat yourself again, I'm gonna scream. Honestly, look at me. Please don't read. Not your interest. Don't modulate the key, then not debate with me. Why should a tiny island across the sea modulate the price of tea? Alexander, please. I'd rather be divisive than indecisive. Drop the niceties. Silence. Welcome to the Up for Discussion podcast, the only Not show on the internet where we talk about things we talk about in the order we talk about them. I'm Tom Salatnai. Probably also the only <laughs> podcast on the internet that semi-regularly starts off with acoustic ukulele renditions of Alexander Hamilton. We're probably the only... I would be safe to... I will raise my bottle and think that it is safe to state that we are the only podcast that does that. St- raise your bottle for freedom. Raise a bottle. Yeah. yeah. How you doing, Tim? Um, I am a little tired. I'm a little feeling a little weird. I went, I, I woke up about noon today, which isn't bad for me. Um, it was a bit of a, a crazy weekend because there were lots of fun times at the local Catholic center of Newman. Tell me about where the we fun had, times. We had fun swing dancing and a big ball that was, uh, Alice in Wonderland themed. And... We danced all night, and then I was all messed up for, you know, actually good getting back to work today. Right, yeah, So Here I am. So I woke up at 12, and I did some work. I actually didn't work on the video that's being put out at the end of the month, but I made a tiny video that I'm putting out tomorrow oh, cool. um, to commemorate the defeat of humans in the game, in, in the game of Go by a computer, which is pretty big news. Okay, right. Did I tell you about this? I think I, I briefly heard about this somewhere. So Google, the, the Goog, they, they've, you know, they've been doing a lot of stuff in like artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, you remember the crazy deep dream, crazy dream things yes. that, you know, you the weird photo picture, manipulation and it finds birds and animals and stuff in it. Right. Yeah. So this is all like neural networks that they're using and like sort of learning computer systems that work with like sort of a simulated brain that have like different levels of artificial neurons that extract sort of increasingly complicated features as you go up the chain of neural networks, which is sort of how the brain processes information. Mm. Um, And so this, this group within Google called DeepMind um, have been, yeah, they've been basically trying to crack how the brain works and like make an artificial brain. So one of the things that's been their big project is they've been, 
um, does, they've made a computer that can play the game of Go, which is sort of what they play in Japan and Korea and China instead of chess. Right. Like it's this incredibly complicated strategy game and it's a lot more, it's a lot more of an intuitive game than like chess or something. Mm-hmm. Like for chess, you kind of, like you, it's all about sort of being able to calculate all the possibilities down the road. Mm-hmm. But in Go, there's so many possibilities that it's pretty much impossible to do that. You sort of, it's more of a like creative planning kind of game. Right. So you know the basic mechanics, but then you're also like planning really like high level strategies and every game is like completely unique. Right. And there's an element to it that's like you, every move you make, you're trying to think like four moves ahead so that you're like, okay, if I put this here now, not only is it good now, but maybe it sets something up in like two or three moves. Not like that's true. That's true of Go and it's also true of chess. Mm. But the thing is with Go, you sort of have to start thinking, okay, how do I want this game to be like a hundred moves from now? Right. And like sort of set up this this scaffold. So it requires like long-term planning. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, as well as really intense sort of chess-like thinking about like, if I do this, how is how are the next ten moves probably going to play out? Right. Um. Anyways, it's tough enough that a computer can't beat people the way a computer beat people at chess. Right. Which is like the the way computers finally beat people at chess was back in the nineties, and it was just when processing power got good enough that the computer could figure out every possible thing that was going to happen mm-hmm. and decide what would make it win. Right. Right. But this one, like, it's you because that's impossible. There's just too many possibilities. You need a computer that can sort of make these heuristic judgments and like have something like a creative process that thinks, oh, I wonder if this would be a good thing to do, and mm-hmm. then like plans a strategy around it. Right. So they've done this, and the fun thing is that they've done this with these neural networks and with sort of a generic process that you can sort of learn any you can teach this computer to learn anything mm-hmm. but they've taught it to go for now so <laughs> one day they'll teach it to come <laughs> oh dear let's not get into that but like the, the the thing is that it's not like the the ibm computer that beat the gary kasparov in the 90s mm-hmm. it wasn't good at anything else right it couldn't you know if you wanted it to learn how to play checkers, you would have to completely reprogram it. Right. If but, you wanted it to know how to love, you would have to completely reprogram it. Well, yeah, that's true of all of us. Mm. But this one is more like, you know, there's there's much more in this computer that's universal. Mm. So that's what they're going for, to sort of general intelligence. That's cool. Anyways, it just beat the world champion Go player. Wow. So now computers are better at us at basically all of our games. This was kind of the <laughs> big last one. Yeah. Yeah. But could a computer beat me at Pokemon? Um, is, is there a strategy to Pokemon? Yeah. We talked about this. D- yeah, you're presuming that I remember. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, does a computer beat you at Pokemon when you play Pokemon against a computer? It can potentially. Can, like, but... are there difficulty settings um... you're playing against computer characters? And is there one that's <laughs> impossible? Not necessarily i think that each game kind of there's sort of a difficulty curve from the start to the finish so like the first few people that you're going to be fighting are not going to be that difficult and then as you get further into the game it becomes more evenly matched theoretically right unless you spend a lot of time grinding so that you're way better than them right um but generally speaking i mean if you know what you're doing the computers will are almost never smarter than you okay i don't know i think it would seem likely to me that this computer can't beat you up pokemon yet 
but it can beat you at most Atari games. Oh. Because this is the first thing that they taught it to do. Right. Um, and what they did with that was was even cooler, I think, because they didn't tell it anything. They they told it they gave it the pixels on the screen, mm-hmm. like whatever you see, and the score and what keys it could press. Right. And they didn't tell it what the goal was or how you get points or even what it's controlling when it presses keys. Interesting. And they just let it go and had it like learn as like, as it was playing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so every time, every time it randomly does something that gets it more score, I think it it has, you know, has processes that are like, Oh, that's a good thing to do. It 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 learns and adapts. Yeah. That's interesting. So like if if you see it playing, they've got it playing breakout. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the the one with the the ball that bounces up and hits all the bricks. Yeah, yeah. And it's really cool to see that like as they train it, first it's just completely randomly moving the little bat at the bottom and it always misses. And then after a few hundred games, it's always getting the ball. If it, it it'll like never drop it, but it's just sort mm-hmm. of hitting them one at a time. Right. And then at some point it figures out that the best strategy is to tunnel through the side and have the ball bounce off the top yeah. to the bricks, which is what everybody learned figured out. Mm-hmm. And then that's all it does from then on. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I, yeah, it sort of makes sense. Um, computers that need to learn how to process things creatively and come mm. up with like ways to find the most efficient strategies to do the most work at the same time to yeah. like win a game, right? Like when I think about the way that I play competitive Tetris kind of things. You play competitive Tetris? Well, not like at a professional level, <laughs> or anything, but you know what I mean? Like there's, they have made Tetris games that are like versus Tetris. Yeah. Where both people are playing at the same time. And I think you drop blocks on the opponent to try to mess them up. Oh, really? If you, uh, if you, like whenever you get a big combo. Okay. And so like, or maybe I'm not thinking of Tetris. Uh, Sounds like Dr. Uh, Mario or something. Yeah, there we go. Dr. Mario. That's okay. what I meant. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I think of those as kind of interchangeable. They're um, pretty close. They're different, but they're similar. Yeah. Like Dr. Mario versus mode. Um, When you get big combos set up you drop extra pills on your opponent to screw them over yeah and like i i feel like that's kind of what like you have to do and go as well right it's like figure out what i mean you're not screwing them over by dropping extra blocks on them but you have to like plan ways to like set it up so that you get a lot of stuff going at the same time and like yeah i've gotten good at that with games like dr mario because i'm like okay i could get rid of like a bunch of pills right now or i could stack this so that i can clear twice as many in a couple turns and get a bonus to screw the guy over yeah and i feel like that's like yeah, if you teach computers how to do that, how soon are they going to just figure out how to completely screw us over as people? Well, you've got to give them... It depends what you let them control, mm. right? If you give them any way of controlling crazy things, then maybe things will become crazy. They're going to beat my Dr. Mario high score. Yeah. I can't or, let it happen, man. We have to destroy you, this you, computer. If you hearken back to a previous episode, you know, if you tell it to get you as many stamps as possible, possibly you will cause the end of the world. Right. <laughs> man, that is a throwback. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. What have you been thinking about? Um, I have been thinking about... (laughs) Well, so I showed you this before we started recording. I wasn't sure that I was actually going to bring it up on the show. Um, (laughs) Alex showed me this video today called Bhutanese Passport. Shout out to Alex. Um, And it's... uh, Oh, man, it's fantastic. Uh, Basically, you know how you can, like, you can add new Wikipedia pages and you can also add, like, voiceover files for wikipedia pages that read them to people do they okay so it's it's like because i knew that sometimes there are 
Yeah, there's some there are those like speaker buttons at the top of Wikipedia mm-hmm. pages, but I've never actually clicked them. So I right. presumed it was just like an automatic like Microsoft Sam thing. No, no, someone records them and uploads them. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's all like yeah, it's all user submitted or whatever. All right. Um, I think I mean if your computer has like a text to speech function, you could yeah. probably highlight it and have Microsoft Sam do it. Yeah. But uh, no, no, you can actually like. You can actually upload your own file. Okay, cool. So depending on the page you go to, you'll get different voices doing it. And I feel like I would love to do this at some point. Just record a bunch and upload them. I'm sure you could. Um, Clearly, we have the microphones. Yeah. (laughs) You you got to smack them once in a while to to remind you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we, uh, yeah. um, Someone at some point made a Wikipedia article about passports from Bhutan. From Bhutan. uh, Called Bhutanese Passport. And it's like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, someone had to eventually they have passports Um, is there is there a wikipedia page for every passport probably probably yeah it wouldn't surprise me especially like because there are different categories of passport right yeah like you've got your adult passport and your child passports yeah uh, and your like dual citizen passports probably temporary passports and whatever else yeah um and so passport ellen passport felon passport felon passport I thought you meant like, you know, Ellen DeGeneres gets her own passport. Oh, no. Do, do felons get passports? Does Ellen get passports? Um, I don't know. Does she ever go anywhere? Do you guys ever get passports? Let us know in the comments. Uh, and so someone uploaded, uh, in addition to this Wikipedia article about uh, Bhutanese passport, Tim is going to sneeze. Hang on. No, don't. He's sneezing. It's going to happen. <laughs> I hate you. He is not You made sneezing. me lose the sneeze. I did it. Oh. Um. So... Uh, so someone uploaded an audio file for the Bhutanese passport Wikipedia page. Okay. Um, and it sounded kind of auto-tuned. Like, did you notice that? Like, It did. Yeah. It sounds like, it, it. first of all, it's spoken in an absolutely ridiculous, like, it reminds Asian me, accent of some kind. It reminds me of um, Ken Jong in that D&D episode of Community when he yeah. says he's the wizard. Um, Maybe. I don't know. It's It sounds whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's definitely a stereotyped, like east asian accent and but it's also yeah it's like weirdly auto-tuned and flanged and it just sounds like this bizarre robot creature yeah like i'll see if i can play a little bit of it just so you guys can hear how this starts and you can look it up later it's bhutanese passport uploaded by spoken wikipedia yeah. bhutanese passport a Bhutanese passport is a document which authorizes our facilities, travel, and other activities in Bhutan or by Bhutanese citizens. You know what it sounds like? What does it sound like? It sounds like if you had like a racist Dalek. What's a Dalek? That's a Dalek. Uh, you don't know Doctor Who. Doctor Who, they're these basically gigantic pepper shakers that have death rays. <laughs> <laughs> and they and they sound like exterminate exterminate and that's pretty much all they say huh. but they their voice sounds a lot like that fair enough yeah but not asian right anyway so this this audio file at some point got taken down but only after a meme got started as a result of this okay uh i don't know if you would even call it a meme really people well, started sharing it around and they were like this is hilarious that this exists and right. uh, just sharing the wikipedia page yeah and now there is actually a Wikipedia page called Bhutanese Passport Meme. <laughs> so it was just this weird little thing that like popped up on Wikipedia and uh, someone made a thing out of it and then it got enough attention that now there's a second page about it. It's fun when the internet like self-generates its own things. Yeah. I so. uh, <laughs> Last night I got bored at some point. So uh, I found 
I started reading Wikipedia articles, which is okay. a thing that you and I both do when we're bored. Yeah, sure. Um, and I was reading the Wikipedia article about George Eaker, the guy who shot Hamilton's son. Mr. George Eaker, our 4th uh, of July speaker. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, in the paragraph where it says that he shot Philip Hamilton, yeah. uh, it also says that he like politically was a supporter of Aaron Burr. Yeah. But someone had gone in and edited it to include a comma space sir afterward. <laughs> so it said uh, Eaker... Like was a political supporter of Aaron Burr, sir, and voted for him and yada yada. And I saw this and I was like, I know what I'm doing for the rest of tonight. Oh no! <laughs> and I went in and added that to a bunch of other articles that mentioned him. So if you, uh, I think Theodosia and uh, crap, who's the other one? Man, so are they are they still there? Uh, usually, I haven't w- checked yet. Usually, Wikipedia is pretty good at like finding edits and removing them. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. Like but that. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember any of the other ones except for Theodosia because Theodosia was the only one I knew about beforehand. Everyone else right. I was just clicking around on Burr's page to f- try and find names I didn't recognize and like go in and low key adjust them. Right. Um, but Dear uh, Theodosia, what to say to you? You have my eyes. You have your mother's name. When you came into the world, you cried, and it broke my heart. Looks like someone deleted the sir. Dang. Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> They're probably going to end up blocking editing on just all Wikipedia pages related to Hamilton. Maybe, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. This uh, this fandom is growing. Yeah. I, I feel like... I'm I'm not sure. It's hard to tell. Maybe I should just look at how many likes the L, the Hamilton you know, Twitter or Facebook page has or something. Mm. But it's like I'm starting to see the rabid fan base pop up in like everywhere I look, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. Like every time, like in, in a lot of YouTube comments and stuff, someone will just say something and someone else will be like, Hamilton. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's growing. I think the Grammy performance helped. Like right. it kind of got it out there to the rest of the world a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably it garnered a bit of extra attention from that probably and i think it's just you know it's it's one of those things that's good enough that it spreads yeah it's definitely traveling by word of mouth i mean you know i am responsible for at least four people having like listened to it and started to really really enjoy it you being one of them yeah for sure and then i in turn have spread it to at least two other people right like it's the kind of thing that if if anyone like the the deterrent is just that people are busy and they might not have the time to listen to two hours worth of mm-hmm. like musical, but anyone who does is like, Oh, this is great. Yeah. Like it doesn't, I haven't found any detractors of it yet. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's listened from start to finish and not thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. People I've, I know people who listened to the first track and said, eh, not for me. Yeah. Uh, to which I say unfriended, <laughs> but I, you know, I get it. But I like, I can see that too. Like the, the first, like the first time you played me that one track, I was like, "Oh, this is," like to be honest, it wasn't until like the the sort of the entire cast comes in in the chorus mm-hmm. thing that I was like, "Okay, this is, this yeah," because be, it's it starts out very sparsely, eh? Yeah, well, like, that's it's it. very it's minimal. Very, yeah, that's it. It's very minimal at the beginning yeah. and kind of builds, mm-hmm. which I think is is good, but it definitely doesn't catch you in the first like thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think I can see like I haven't seen that performance mm-hmm. but i can imagine how it goes on a stage mm-hmm. right because it's it's perfect for like you know lighting up one person 
and then having the next person step out or get lit with another spotlight. And, right. Yeah, like I think that's so, yeah. You're you're building up this idea of who's actually in the scene, right? And it's it you know it, I, the Grammy performance that they did. I'm assuming they didn't re choreograph that whole scene. Okay. Just for I the haven't Grammys. seen the Grammy performance. You should check it out. It's kind of neat. By the time you show you shared the YouTube link, it had got taken down for oh, copyright. Of yeah. yeah. Um. Well, it's uh. Yeah. It was sort of like that. It's you know people stepping out into the spotlight and okay. suddenly being the focus because it does go through all the different characters who are in the show, right? Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of like Burr walking around and interacting with them sort of as it's happening. And then Hamilton walking around and interacting with people as it's happening and, right. you know, dancing and barrels being moved around and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Barrels. Yeah. I guess to express that he traveled at sea or something. Yeah. Bar- oh, you're right. Ramen stuff. Yeah. You know, you, you put a barrel on a boat. You put mostly rum on a boat. Yeah. A sugar cane and rum and all the things you can't afford. Mm. And barrels. I can afford a barrel, maybe. Could you? How much barrels does a barrel are, cost? I don't know. I feel like barrels could get could get expensive depending on the size. I mean, a barrel is like in terms of oil, barrels are at an all time low. But really, yeah, that's good to know. Not really. It's collapsing the economy oh. and stuff. Well, but uh, I'm probably wrong about that. I don't know anything about economics. Yeah, me like, neither. Probably those good like sherry, you know, th- those like sherry oak barrels that mm-hmm. they put whiskey in for 12 years those probably cost a lot yeah well that's what i'm thinking because they're they're dense and heavy and and they've had to have sherry in them that's it they've got like you know nice wood yeah yeah yeah. what's the nicest wood you've ever experienced uh let us know in the comments (laughs) (laughs) i was asking you but (laughs) (laughs) no we're gonna we're just gonna leave that for the audience Mm. oh man the best yeah fair enough i Uh, mean personally i like cedar yeah like you go out to the west coast, you get one of those red cedar trees. It's like thirty feet wide, mm. and you just rub your face on the wood. Have you ever been to Cathedral Grove in BC? Have I? Is it is it in Stanley Park? No. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's like on the island. Okay. Um, I don't believe so. It's gorgeous. Lots of like really, really, really big trees. Beautiful. Forming a sort of cathedral grove. I don't know why they call it that, to be honest. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you know. I mean, cathedrals are, you know, tend to have big trunks of wood and a ceiling. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, right. I don't know. But yeah, that was where I first met uh, first met Jeff Winborn. He's a cool guy, musician from out west. Mm. You guys should look him up. Is Jeff Winborn his actual name? Uh, no, but I can't remember his last name right now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, it sounds... Sounds like a name that doesn't exist outside of Tolkien. Yeah, probably. No, his I don't remember his real last name, but mm. cool guy, great musician. One of these guys who like his parents were both like classically trained music teachers, and so like he grew up surrounded by that and rejected it and decided to just figure it out for himself. Right. Um, when I met him, he was touring with this cellist, uh, Nils, who like had like a degree in like classical guitar and then like started playing cello because he was tired of everyone else playing guitar as well. So he was like, I'll play a different instrument. Screw it. Nice. Um, and so he's this like classically trained guitarist playing cello alongside this guy who like has no like traditional musical vocabulary. And so they're just trying to like figure out each other. And like they had a really good chemistry. Interesting. Yeah. I like the guy that like didn't have training, but had natural like knowledge or or ability. Yeah. Just really good instincts and like a good ear and stuff working with this guy who like, you know, had trained in it and knew a lot and like also conveniently had a good ear. So, you know, was able to work off of it, but he'd be like, 
what key are you playing in right now? And Jeff would just strum and be like, this one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I enjoy the, the West Coast Canadian music scene. Mm-hmm. Produces a lot of good stuff. Yeah. I came across a, a video today um, of one of my favorite bands in the West Coast scene, which is Ninja Spy. Ninja Spy. Um, which are, I don't know if you would enjoy them. <laughs> For those listening who have a love of metal and ska, you'd probably enjoy them. It's a really, it's a really nice fusion of those two styles. Hmm. Um, it's sort of, sort of very math core, but also very like skanking. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I feel time. like that's something I've never heard before. Yeah, it's uh, they they flip back and forth from one to the other mm-hmm. a lot. So they they're from Vancouver. I think now they've gone to L.A. Okay, um, yeah. because this is what happens when people get big. Mm-hmm. It's not that much of a jump to move down south. Yeah. Um. So they just put out a, like an acoustic, um, version of one of their songs that I have never heard before because mm-hmm. probably they haven't actually recorded it yet. Right. Which didn't have any sky in it, which I was disappointed at, mm-hmm. but. They're, they're three brothers, which is kind of fun. Oh, that's cool. So they their name is Ninja Spy, but they often refer to themselves as the Triad in Blood, which I think is fun. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. One of those families that's just like, oh man, I want to be that family. You guys could have been- super talented. Like, you and your brother and sister could have been that family if, like, the three of you had decided collectively to be that family. Like, you're all crazy talented musicians. I think we could have, if we had decided to be that family, and also if we've been pushed to it younger, mm-hmm. because- I think like at, at this point, like now my brother and I could maybe do something like that, mm-hmm. but, but you live on opposite coasts. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we sort of have taken all this time to develop that skill set. Whereas these guys, by the time they were, you know, the youngest guy was like 15, mm-hmm. they were already like incredibly tight and had been, right. you know, doing this for years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, you know, but you know, things to know when, yeah, things to know when I have kids. <laughs> yeah you guys will be a band yeah that's it and then i will work hard to not be the terrible sort of music father who Mm -hmm. makes their kids hate themselves and him yeah well that's it you're gonna strike the balance right like you have to like instill music in them as a language from a young age but also like not actually like force them to perform or anything yeah you know you got to plant the seeds so that in like when they're like in like high school or college or whatever they are all like hey you know what like we kick ass let's go play shows and stuff yeah, you want to be the Von Traps, not the Jacksons. Yeah, exactly. Von Traxons. Von Japs. Nope. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> nope, that was not okay. <laughs> um, so I like that we were talking about music because we can transition easily. Um, mm, well, to what, exactly? Well, um, what? People. What To what are we transitioning? So um, for those of you who don't know, uh, this show is entirely supported by our listeners um, and also by us. Um, so uh any expenses that we have are out of our own pockets uh or sort of supplemented by donations from you guys uh we have a patreon page that facilitates that process and also allows you to sign up to get cool rewards for supporting us and uh one of those rewards is that if you pledge over five dollars a month you get to request topics of conversation welcome to the new episode of up for discussion topics of conversation with tom and tim (laughs) featuring Featuring Nathan, is it Nathan? It is Nathan, yeah. Nathan Proudlow. So one of our Patreon supporters, Nathan, requested that we talk about the whole trend of like YouTube cover bands uh, and where we think that sort of thing is going. The YouTube, like people who take songs and redo them, yeah, and put them on YouTube. That's right. But not me. 
but not you because you're a parodist. Right. So so we're just talking about people who do like don't write anything original, but they arrange stuff I mean, that other people did and do it really well and upload those videos where everything is super crisp mm-hmm. and produced, but also acoustic. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I think he was more specifically just talking or like less specifically just talking about in general, like, do we think that this is a trend that's going to keep going? Do we think it's hit its peak? Um, right. Who are the, some of our favorites, et cetera, et cetera. The cover band phenomenon. Yeah, mm. that's it. Because, and, and I mean, you know, in all fairness, a lot of those guys are producing their own music as well. Right. You know, they but just this is how they get that, people to notice them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. This is where the money is at. Yeah, of to course. To some extent. Because um, it's so much easier to get someone to click on something if they already know what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and, you know, when he asked us to talk about this, I was like, oh, that's cool. I mean, Tim and I literally you know started in that world yeah this is kind of our origin of you know being artistic collaborators Mm -hmm. slash youtubers yeah being in cabin nine which was an acoustic cover band which had not a lot of production although the production slowly stepped up over the course of its existence yeah it's the kind of thing where like if we were doing it now we'd have ridiculously good production it would also take even longer than it took. Yeah. <laughs> but we did fairly well. We managed to crank out a video a week for a while, which was... Yeah. Yeah. Which was a lot a easier feed. when it was the one-take videos. Sure. But, I mean, a one-take video still takes so many takes. It took a lot of takes. It took a lot of takes in a hot, small room. My goodness. You will recall. I don't miss that room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, when we started doing that... It was partly because neither of us had really done the YouTube thing before. Yeah. And partly because we thought it would be a good way to like force ourselves to like do this regularly and get into a routine and like, you know, jam together. Right. Yeah. Basically like the it began. Neither of us had a camera at the time. So I think what happened if I if if I remember this correctly, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Mm. I made an acoustic cover of We Are Young by Fun. That was like a year Um, before almost. Was I don't think so because I got it? this. I got my uh, my laptop and it had a a camera on it, and I was like, "Oh, that would be a thing to do." Hmm. Um, and so I I set it up and I made this cover, and I I thought it was that that made you message me and be like, "Hey, do you want to like do more of those together?" Oh, maybe. I feel like it was like a a good while before though. It might have been the same calendar year, but it was like right. Like I feel like it was like a few months before at least. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I know the first thing we did together was not a video. It was. A, right like like live we, we were we were cabin stuff. nine a year before we started doing videos that's right as a live performance at an actual place where there were cabins mm-hmm. which is what how we got our name and then we we did a recording of that song which was a bad parody of friday and will never be aired again <laughs> but i don't know do you remember then what exactly was it that made us think okay let's do youtube videos um i don't know i yeah, I mean, I think I think it was that we wanted to do more stuff together musically. Right. Uh, and that, that seemed like a good outlet for it, right? Because I think we both saw that, like, cover videos get a good amount of attention from people. And it's a platform for us to, like, put our stuff out there that doesn't need to be extremely polished. Yeah, that's I mean, true. I, now I would argue that a lot of that stuff does need to be extremely polished. But well, at the time, I would argue you know, that at the time it also, like... At the time, the good co- the good acoustic cover bands on YouTube were already extremely polished. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about you, but I've gotten a much better ear since then for when something is polished and hiding it, mm-hmm. as opposed to like 
when it's you know actually actually just one take like a lot of the things that people do on youtube that look like they're just like one take super low-key stuff are not they take a long time to make for sure and it's because they like i learned about this in my music video editing course that i took a couple years ago what they do is they record the track beforehand and then they play along to it and record and film themselves doing that yes and so it's like which is a lot like what you do when you're shooting the separate heads for all of your you know yeah the thing is that acapellas i feel like for for me doing like when I'm doing that, it's obvious that I'm doing that. Or, yeah, because there's not actually thousands of you, except in our science mansion fan fiction. Yeah, I, and but people, you know, people sometimes wonder. Some, especially with my last produced videos, people mm-hmm. sometimes wonder whether I did them all in one take. You know, right. and I don't. Um, but I, I sort of like knowing what I know about music production. I know that it would be impossible to do that video in one take, just mm-hmm. because you need a microphone right in your face to That's do it. it. Yeah. Like you but see the, these guys like Alex Goot who yeah. put out these videos that like, you know, it looks like they've just shot it a live scene of them all performing uh, with yeah. a few camera angles and some lighting. But like his voice wouldn't sound that good if he wasn't actually like in a booth recording it. Well, but the thing is that with Alex Goot or somebody like that, they really make it look like they did it one take. So yeah. they'll they'll set up the microphone and they'll put the headphones on and they'll do the whole thing. Yeah. And who like. The thing is that there's so much you can do with software as well that mm-hmm. maybe some of them do do it in one take, but afterwards it's heavily processed. Right. right? That's it. <laughs> yeah. And so it was interesting for us, like coming into that world, I guess, because we initially just, you know, went the route of where all those guys kind of started, which was just sort of like one take videos that were yeah. actually one take with an instrument or two and some voices. Yeah. And like we did put out a couple more of the more complicated ones. Yeah. And that was like, that was my. It was your first foray into the stuff that like launched where you're at now. Well, yeah, that was very much like Ke- like Kevin and I was very much like this the start of my learning curve of both video production and audio production mm-hmm. because like yeah, it it just takes a lot of practice mm-hmm. to get good at s- the simple things like how do you make a voice sound good right on you know when it's recorded into a microphone yeah or you know like w- simple mixing things like. And and by the end of that process, it was sort of at the level of like the Stranger Times song that we did, mm-hmm. um, which was like pretty solid, but pretty solid. But looking back at it, I'm like, oh, I know so much more. Yeah. So much more that could be done with this. Yeah, that's it. But, like even looking at, you know, the difference between that and our Lent parody from last year. Yeah. Like there's a massive increase in sound quality. Yeah, for sure. Like just, yeah. Video quality, not as much because, you know. Because we didn't, yeah. We didn't have a good camera. We didn't have a good camera. And also we probably didn't plan as much of that shoot as we should have. Yeah. Like if you really want to do a good video, you You got to storyboard Storyboard it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. But now I feel like... Or you just get a lot more... Like with a lot of music videos, they just get a ton of different angles for everything. So they have Mm -hmm. a million things to cut between. That's it. And then you figure it out later. But we sort of had one shot and then Mm -hmm. moved on. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of that was time restraints, right? Because we yeah. did only have like two weeks to get it done. Well, it was Lent. Yeah, but... Uh, Speaking of which, it's currently Lent. It's currently you Lent. You want to go to youtube.com slash Tom's Latini, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or slash user up. slash Tom's Latini. I'm just, not sure which one works. Just look up Lent parody. It'll yeah. be one of the first things that pops up. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's real good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we did well on that. It bothers me looking back at it and knowing that like two or three months later, I got a way better camera. That's true. Because <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Yeah. Timing. You've done so much. And because I had tried to get a, I had tried to get that camera back in December 
Mm. Right. So we could have been shooting that on like a really nice DSLR. Oh, well. But uh, the company that I ordered it from failed to ship it to me properly the first time. Mm. And then I waited like six months before trying to buy it again. Have you explored a lot of how that camera works? Like, because yeah, once you've got a DSLR, you start getting into the world of like lens angles and sizes and mm-hmm. distances and all that nonsense. Yeah, I've played around a bit. I know, I know a decent amount. Mostly I've just played with like exposure and brightness settings and stuff okay. because most of what I use it for at this point is uh, well, either shooting stuff in front of the green screen, which is fairly straightforward. Or um, like light box product photos. Right. Uh, and you kind of need to like really adjust the ISO when you're taking photos of stuff in a box that's full of extremely bright light. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, what so you YouTube think? cover bands. Yeah. So now that we've kind of, you know, tangented about like our experience with that stuff. Well, we haven't really talked about what our experience was doing it, right? Like beyond what got us started with it. Yeah. Like, do you feel like... I feel like the number of hits we were getting for it felt like the right amount for what we were doing. Like, I guess so. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that it was, it was, it was like good local response, right? Yeah, it was the kind of thing that we were doing it well enough that our friends were impressed. Yeah, but we were not doing it well enough that our friends' friends were particularly impressed. Right. Right. That's the. It's the this sort of i this virality thing where your closest in circle is going to respond the most vigorously to right. it. And then the next circle out has less, you know, they're less engaged. You're going to have to do more mm-hmm. for them to care about it and share it onwards. Yeah. Um, so I think that was sort of our level that people were like, Oh, you guys are good. Um, and would like, you know, watch it and be our regular mm-hmm. listeners and stuff. Um, but not necessarily that the world would be like, Oh, this is incredible because of course the world had Alex Goot. Yeah. And those people who had, you know, such better production. That's it. Yeah. Like, I feel like had we stuck to it, if we had kept going with it until now, there's a chance that we could have been among the bigger guys. And like our production value would have been around the same as what they've got. And like, right. that, we, that we brings us stuff together. Yeah, but it that, brings us to what we wanted to talk about tonight. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of if we were at the level of those other guys, would we be those other guys? Yeah. And I think the answer is probably no. Yeah. Like there's a there's sort of a first come first served aspect to <laughs> youtube niches yeah and if you're the first one in there then you can kind of set up your like set up your place and dominate it and be the thing that everyone refers to mm-hmm. um and if someone wants to up like you can be upended like someone can come along and become the new you mm-hmm. um but they have to be significantly more impressive than you are like being as good as you isn't going to cut it right i think that happens like to be honest that's that's not particular to youtube that happens with all genres of music and i remember when i was in uh yeah like like when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. you know friends bands and lots of like people that i knew starting bands and trying to be what was popular you know like i i sort of came of age in the whole emo scene like metal emo scene thing And everybody was trying to be that and thinking like, oh, if we can just like sound as good as those guys that are at the top, then we will be those guys at the top. But there were so many people that sounded as good as those guys. Right. And no one, no one needed their music. They had, they had that already in their Mm -hmm. lives. So you have to find something that people aren't doing yet or be better than everyone. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's it. And like... That's it. Like you can go into it with the same production quality, the same skill level yeah. as these people. But if there's nothing that's a big hook, like the people who see it will be like, yeah, that was pretty good. 
you might get like an okay base of subscribers, but it's not going to get you like skyrocketing like instantly or anything. Yeah. And to some extent, I wonder like, like hypothetically, like this is not going to happen, but like, were we to start doing stuff like that again? Like if cabin nine was just like, Hey, we're back and we did it with the production value that we're capable of now. Right. We'd be putting out videos that are as good as the stuff that's getting a, like a ridiculous amount of views. Like I have no doubts about that. Uh, but it wouldn't be getting the same amount of views. And I wonder if it ever would. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder how much of that would be like, you know, involving like plugging away at it and just, you know, marketing yourself and trying to get out there and how much of that is just viral growth. Because at this point in the game, like if you don't have the instant viral success, plugging away at it might not actually do you any good. It sort of, it depends whether we could, I think it really does depend whether we could find anything that separated ourselves mm-hmm. from, you know, everybody else. Yeah. Because I think, like, I think in terms of audio production, we're up there at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel comfortable in that. I'm not so sure with video production. I'm more confident with video production. Like, I don't, the thing, like, I don't know a lot about video shots and, mm-hmm. you know, music video making. I know how to do what I do, which yeah. is very different. Yeah, I I do know a good amount about that world. Okay. Uh, That's why I feel like, yeah, like if we were to do that, we would have the production skills necessary. I just, I'm not convinced that we'd actually get the audience. (laughs) And yeah, and so it's interesting, like, I wonder, like, when was the last time you heard of a new, like, a new up and coming, like, cover artist on YouTube who was doing really well for themselves? The thing is, I don't. Maybe you'd better you'd be better to answer that question because that's not a world that I've ever been super interested in. Right, right. I think their most acoustic covers are similar enough to each other that I almost don't have to hear them. <laughs> like if I if you tell me a song and you say, imagine an acoustic cover of that song, I can do it. Right. And if I listen to an actual one, it'll be like, oh, yeah, that's about what I imagined. Mm-hmm. And so I almost feel like it's not necessary for me to hear it. And then I don't go looking for it. Yeah, um, that makes sense. What I do mean, you like? Have you heard anything recently? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I feel like I haven't heard like the standard acoustic pop kind of thing coming in right. in any new way. But there have been like sort of cover bands that are more stylized in the past couple of years that have kind of broken onto the scene and made a bit of a stir. Like, uh, yeah, when you have something unique, like if you're postmodern, postmodern jukebox, jukebox, there we go. Then yeah. you, you know, that's something no one else can do. Right. Because that guy is, you know, an incredible jazz pianist mm-hmm. and also has, you know, a real, a really good flair for making your, for arranging songs in that style. That's it. And then there's like a similar thing with, uh, I don't know what they're called, but they were this like sort of country band, like a bluegrass band that did similar stuff. Okay. Uh, where it was the same thing. They're just a cover band, but because they have a unique style, they did fairly well. Because it was like, oh, look, they're playing like Metallica, but they're a bluegrass band. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. Millions of views. And then, and I, for example, there's this one guy, I can't remember for life me what his name is, but he does things where he'll take a song and do it in the style of like 40 different artists. Right. And that is like, that's just a very impressive mm-hmm ability that he has like just because he's he's very good at the the audio production the video is just it's always just his head in a sound booth yeah but he's doing all these voices and he's mm-hmm. doing them so well yeah um and i feel like that kind of thing like you can get good viral success on but i don't know how sustainable it is as like a regular upload kind of thing right yeah i don't know you really have to you have to strike that balance of trying new things mm-hmm. yeah and it's i mean yeah because i think about it like 
Jimmy Fallon is a, is a person who's really good at that. Yeah. Like he frequently does like those kinds of bits on his show where he'll sing in the style of other artists. Yeah. And it's like, wow, like good on you for being a multi-talented and like complicated human being. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, you know, he's, yeah, like there are people who can do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like to some extent you and I can mimic some styles of voices, uh, but yeah. like there are people who are like really incredible at that. And like, I would love to be incredible at that. <laughs> I'm reasonably good at that, but I'd love to be like, amazing at it to the point where I could do like, here's me singing like this new song, uh, in the style of like 30 different Disney voices or yeah. whatever. And it's it, like, it takes a very trained voice, right? Because yeah. you have to, not only do you have to be able to sing like this one trained voice, but you have to be able to sing like these 10 different trained voices who all trained differently. That's it. Yeah. And so like, I like to practice that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. when I'm singing like around the house, I will put on different voices and play mm-hmm. around with it. Uh, but I definitely don't feel like I'm at that level where it's like I could confidently do this and make this my shtick. Right. Like I could maybe if I spent a year focusing on that, I could put out one video and it would be like pretty cool. And then after that, I'd be like, well, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> I've shown you what I've got. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That thing I was talking about, about um, like what it takes to become successful in mm-hmm. a YouTube scene that's already established. Yeah. And like the whether it's possible to sort of knock the the person who's at the top off of the top. Mm-hmm. That happened, I feel like, in the acapella world. Right. Um, in the acapella world, the first person to really do it and do it well was Mike Tompkins. Right. Um, and he, he, like, his dynamite cover, right? Ty yeah. Cruz got, like, you know, 30 million views and was big enough that inspi- it, like, inspired other people to just do that song but mm-hmm. make it about the... Jewish holidays and then even those people were getting like five million views you know yeah but now um, I never hear about Mike Tyson Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson. <laughs> well, I hear about Mike Tyson you know that, all the time. that time Mike Tyson made a YouTube channel where he just did acapella covers of popular songs I wouldn't be surprised it was great. Was, I mean he's on he's got that Netflix show right have you watched that yet I haven't you should but he should do a Netflix, a Netflix YouTube popular songs acapella yeah. mashup yeah. with cartoons. I wonder if Mike no. Tyson can say. But so so that <clears throat> what happened was Mike Tompkins did that and did it really well and got a lot of success. Um, but I think I'm pretty sure what happens what happened was that he was replaced primarily by two pe- by two groups. One of them was Pentatonix. Mm-hmm. Um, Pentatonix came along and returned acapella kind of back to like swung it a little bit back to how acapella is usually done, right? Mm-hmm. Because what Mike Thompson's was doing was kind of more what I have been doing in the past, but I'm I'm now kind of getting away from myself, mm-hmm. which is doing like an exact replica of the song. Right. Or you you listen to the song, you break it down into all its parts, and then you do you know you do a voice that sounds as close as possible to that instrument, and yeah. you just remake it. And people are like, oh yeah, that's interesting. But then Pentatonix came along, and they not only you know, sounded really good, but they were making you hear something you hadn't heard before, mm-hmm. as opposed to hearing the same thing, but with slightly different sounds. That's it. Yeah. And I think, you know, they're just also you know, amazing singers, right? Mm-hmm. Like they put to, put Mike Tompkins to sh- shame on the singing front. Mm-hmm. Um, So them, and then I'm not sure how it is that Peter Hollins sort of rose through the ranks, yeah. but he at this point is definitely like the the guy on YouTube yeah. for acapella as opposed to Mike Tompkins. And he's, Mike Tompkins is still making stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but his, if you look at his, his like video view count, it's, he's got like 2 million subscribers and usually about a hundred thousand views, which means yeah. a lot of his subscribers have sort of faded away. Mm-hmm. 
yeah well that's it he's yeah he's still probably surviving off of it but yeah like it's not he's not getting the viral success he used to know yeah yeah i feel like <laughs> now you're just a viral success no it doesn't no. work <laughs> uh, yeah i feel like peter holland's like the reason in, uh, as far as I can tell that he got big is because he does some nerdy shit sometimes. <laughs> what do you like, mean? He has a lot of videos where he's doing acapella versions of like songs from like movies and like, you know, the Hobbit. And, yeah, that's uh, true. Like he does a lot of stuff that sort of like plays on fandoms and that that's might true, have yeah. something to do with why he got so successful. Cause I don't think that any of the other people were doing like here, I'm going to sing a song from the Hobbit or like he does a lot of musical stuff as well. It's sort of more niche audiences. Like he yeah. hits those niches instead of doing pop music. That's true. But I think I think the other thing, there's a couple other things that contribute to his success. Number one is his voice is ridiculously good. Yeah. Um, number he's two, super pretty. Yeah. And I think the way that he arranges his his music, mm. like he's he, he's he comes from an acapella background, right? Right. So he understands how to arrange it. And I think he can probably arrange it like this pretty quickly and effortlessly which gives them a really quick turnaround right. right like the something that i'm finding is that the more i do acapella the better i'm sort of intuiting what i need to do mm-hmm. um so but then you're right yeah he just he chooses he chooses things that will sort of have a punch in a particular audience that's it yeah like the last one i saw of his was <laughs> um it was a song from how you, how to train your dragon 2 right um, but it was this beautiful like Yonsei song mm-hmm. that was in the, the the soundtrack, I guess. And I had never even heard the original song, but I I am a big Yonsei fan. Um, and just listening to that song was like, oh, this is so good. Both because acapella and because that artist. Right. Um, yeah, that's it. Like he he knows how to pick stuff that's like not ridiculously mainstream, but big enough that people will want to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's why he got to see success is because he didn't try to do exactly what everyone else was doing. Yeah. And obviously also because he's just ridiculously yeah, talented. And, and, but I know. think also, yeah, he did it better. Yeah. And like he he does things like the one person acapella thing is different from the acapella group thing. Yeah. You know, you have this freedom to arrange it however you want as long as you can sing the part. Right. Right. With with pentatonics, they have to do five voices and that's mm-hmm. it. You're done. Yeah. But they also Eh, I feel like they've been kind of expanding a little bit on that. Like there's definitely some tracks on some of the stuff that they've put out that are like more than five tracks. Oh, yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, and they'll collaborate with other artists as well. Yeah, of course. You know, sometimes they get the guy who beatboxes to sing so that they can add a fifth voice in there. And it's, yeah. you know, but also that's kind of exp- yeah. expanding their, their thing a little bit more, which mm-hmm. is good. But that's part of their, like the interesting thing about them too, mm-hmm. because once you start, like the multi-tracking thing, mm-hmm. it's it's maybe expected that you will do everything that's conceivable with mm-hmm. the song. Whereas if you're only five people, then it's like it's it's more of just being amazed what five people can do. Yeah, that's it. And the it helps that like you know from from like Avi, their bass guy's mm-hmm. voice to like I think Kirsty, the soprano. Yeah. Like from from the two of them, you span a ridiculously wide range of notes. Yeah, uh, and so they're able to do things that are like really really impressive Mm -hmm. uh, that you don't get from like a lot of other groups i don't know yeah but clearly we've uh we've strayed from from uh acoustic i don't talking about this it was never specified that it had to be acoustic covers that's true just Just the world of cover bands so i think we're okay i think you know you look at 
people that have gotten a lot of success. Another mm-hmm. one that I would, I would, you know, you have to bring up in a conversation like this is Lennon and Maisie. Right. Right. Who are now like stars on ABC successful show yeah. Nashville. And that pretty much, you know, their thing was just bringing the cute factor. Yeah. <laughs> like no one else has, has the, we are sisters and one of us is, how old was she? Like eight My when goodness. they started? Yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had started doing stuff a while before that, but yeah. like, but so when they burst on up. the scene, yeah, I think they yeah. were like twelve and eight or something. Yeah, it's like, oh, you are twelve and eight, and you already sing better than everybody, right? Like you, th- that was all they needed. They yeah. didn't need to figure out what shtick they were gonna do. That no. it was themselves. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, and they had that benefit of like, you know, they are ridiculously talented. Mm-hmm. They had like really solid arrangements going on. Yeah. They didn't have to do too much complicated stuff because it was just their vocal talents that were being showcased. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, it helped them that like pretty soon after their first viral video, casting started for Nashville. <laughs> and so it was like, oh, like uh, we're going to snag these kids right away because they're talented and we can mold them. And, you know, oh, that is useful. Yeah. Now they're, you know, swimming in money or whatever. Cool. And still really talented. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. Glad you brought that up. Yeah. Like it's, you know, you kind of just have to, if you want to break into this world, you have to have a thing that makes you unique. Yeah. And uh, we're running out of unique things. (laughs) Well, you'd think that, but then something like Hamilton comes along Mm. and it's like, oh yeah, no, people continue to be creative. Right. Hamilton. I love, uh, (laughs) I don't remember who said this. Someone tweeted it, I guess. And I found it in my timeline. Uh, or Twitter feed, whatever that's called. Um, mm-hmm. Someone had tweeted something about uh, they were like listening through Hamilton for the first time and live tweeting their reactions to okay. things. And one of the tweets was cabinet battles. Amazing. It's like if those epic rap battles of history were actually good. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, yeah. Shade. <laughs> it's true. I hate those though. They, really? I've, I've never enjoyed those videos. Really? I've, yeah. I've found them very hit or miss. Yeah. Like there were some... I. I first discovered them with their Einstein versus Stephen Hawking one. Mm. And that one was honestly brilliant. Okay, like, fair enough. Uh, it was, yeah, I don't know. It, it was just very, very well done and clever. Um, but there are, so there are some of them that I really like, and then some of them you know, just don't work too well. Yeah, that's it. But I feel like my my issue with them is that a lot of their, like, a lot of their battles are just like, what if we had a rap battle between these two characters who like didn't necessarily meet? Yeah, and I'm like, I don't get, I don't care. Well, the other thing is that they're <laughs> the, they've um, who's who's his name? Epic Lloyd, mm-hmm. um, who's one of the one of the main guys on that. He does a lot of rap stuff, right? Um, but he he I he was talking about sort of the differences between doing you know doing rap as a rap artist and doing rap as comedy, mm-hmm. and I think. It's it's important to see the epic rap battles through that lens because they're primarily comedy and secondarily rap. Right. So I th- I think Lin Manuel went into this thinking, you know, I'll put jokes in where I can, but mostly I'm going for like this is going to be the best hip hop it can possibly be. Right. Whereas the epic rap battles are more we're going to do good hip hop where we can, but primarily we're going to find jokes. Right. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like I don't know. For me, like Hamilton hits a lot better than epic rap battles do. Well, it's it's multi. You can do a lot of things with two hours that you can't do with five minutes. True, but I feel <laughs> you like can any, make you can make people care about characters. Yeah, but like any given track on Hamilton, I feel like is better than <laughs> any given epic rap battles track. Well, fine. Like, I don't know. Like that's just yeah. Except maybe, I don't know. 
Burn. What? Burn is kind of boring. Burn's kind of boring. And honestly, like, Aaron Burr, sir, doesn't do much for me. The first time I listened through the soundtrack, I was like, oh, this is a weak second song. (laughs) But, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) For all of you who haven't listened to Hamilton, you're lost. But you've already been lost because you probably also don't listen to YouTube cover artists. Yeah, that's it. So, hey. No, I, I feel like I need to fix that statement and say that Aaron Burser starts weak and then as the other guys get introduced into it, it starts to get more interesting and, you know, builds up into my shot. Hmm. Like, so I appreciate the end of Aaron Burser. I just don't like the way it starts. It feels I, like a weird place to go to right after the, like, epic ending of the intro song. Hmm. I don't know. I I would disagree with that. I, don't know. I felt that listening to it for the first time, because I remember how I felt listening to it for the first time. And I was like, oh. This is a, it, it succeeded in making the point it was trying to make, hmm. I think, because when it's, when it starts, like it's mostly Alexander Hamilton, like running off to Aaron Burr and word vomiting at him. Totally. Right. And before Aaron Burr even has that line of like, okay, stop, <laughs> slow down, talk less, smile more. Hmm. Um, that's basically what I was thinking. I was like, Hamilton, shut up. Yeah. Um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I still think that song is great. <laughs> I just feel like it's one of the weaker ones for me on the album. Well, yeah. Like that, Burn, and uh, Best of Wives and Best of Women. Well, but th- that song needs to be there. That song needs to be there, but it doesn't do much for me. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the, you know, it's not, not all musicals can be amazing for every single note for yeah. every single person that's true even even rent has without you <laughs> <laughs> oh man so what do you guys think of hamilton what do you guys think <laughs> of youtube cover bands do you have favorites do you have least favorites are there new guys that you want us to check out that we've never heard of before Tell that's us true because i feel like that's the thing that is the, the aspect that's missing from this is also that video virality is getting more difficult from mm-hmm. on YouTube. Like with the, you know, the Facebook algorithms and everything, it's getting more difficult to find new YouTube cover artists. Right. Because you don't see them shared. Yeah. Um, so if you have any good ones that you know, tell us. Because it could be that there are lots of new people coming up and being really successful and we are just oblivious. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was funny when we were, when we decided we were going to talk about this this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, okay, do you know anyone who does this kind of stuff? And you were like, not really. <laughs> you? And I was like, I know, I do know one person. Like I know they're, they're called the Beggars Band. Okay. They don't really do covers much. They do, I think, they do mostly original stuff. Well, that's but they good. are like doing YouTube videos yeah, uh, semi-regularly, I think. And I was like, I'll reach out to them. But I reached out to Cheyenne from there and she had just had like a ski accident and was oh, like shoot. i'm gonna take it easy for a couple of days <laughs> uh, wow. she is recovering which is good but uh, she was like yeah i'm not gonna be able to do that but thanks for thinking of me are like, they yeah, are they know. local are they from around here yeah yeah they're from montreal cool yeah um, the beggars band yeah so you should go check them out in a little free plug but yeah. yeah and then i was like okay well that's literally the only person i know who's doing music on youtube right now so i guess it'll just be me and tim yay <laughs> but yeah i think this was a good discussion of like what we think that world is what do yeah. you guys think? Rate and review the show on iTunes. And, yeah, and yeah. post a comment on the SoundCloud and uh, SoundCloud. buy our t-shirts. Do we have t-shirts? No. Buy an Acapella Science t-shirt. Go to <laughs> dftbarecords.com and enter the promo code up for discussion. 
so many things were wrong with what you just said. I'm not even going to try. Um, um, yeah, well, uh, so anyway, Nathan, hopefully that answers your question about uh, what we think about uh, YouTube cover bands. Um, if you guys have anything you want to add in the comments on SoundCloud, do it. We love interacting with you guys on there. Um, do we interact with them on there? I do. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm pretty good Man. at managing our social media. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> we're so good at this <laughs> yes <laughs> uh remember you can follow us on twitter and instagram at down with talking you can follow us individually at tom zalatna and acapella science acapoco chicken you can follow tim at acapoco chicken on every website that you go to you can also you can watch my new video on youtube.com slash acapella science or yeah yeah that stuff that's doing well it is doing well. It was not, you know, the Perimeter Institute helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. And also Hank Green helped me a lot. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I feel like, yeah, it was sort of a one-two punch because Perimeter, while they, while they themselves don't have a great social media presence, mm-hmm. they lend credibility to a thing. Right. So anybody who sees it goes, oh, Perimeter's stamp is on it. This is legit. And right. they check it out. Yeah. Um, so fair. I got a lot of, like the perimeter link itself, I don't know if it would have got a lot of, you know, hits. But then, a lot of people who shared it shared that that sort of perimeter institute page with the the whole interview and stuff, right? Because they you know they see it from them, and it's a lot more effective than seeing it from this random Twitter handle acapella science, right? With a video, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Fair enough. It's been good. Um, you know, gravitational waves. Have I explained gravitational waves on this podcast? You haven't, but we've already reached the one hour mark. So it's okay. I'm not ask you to do Space that now. stretches and compresses, and it that makes waves. Fair. Or rather, waves make things stretch and compress. That's all you need to know. Gravity, it's space, and then space changes in its size, and then it makes you wobble. I change my size and wobble pretty regularly. Yeah. 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 And, and you if ma- you guys want a more detailed explanation, watch his LIGO video. <laughs> yeah. LIGO? LIGO. LIGO. What does that stand for? Uh, Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory. I didn't catch half those words. Go watch his LIGO video. (laughs) You'll understand everything. Yes, you do. Um, Yeah, so... uh, And look out for my AlphaGo video tomorrow on my social media. Oh, Which will be like... Actually tomorrow or tomorrow the day we're recording? Oh, tomorrow right now as we speak. So yesterday. So yesterday. Go and look at that. It's Mm a... I know it's fun. It's like 30 seconds long. Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, you guys can, if you are interested in supporting the show, uh, go to patreon.com slash up for discussion. Patreon. I know. Sometimes I make a bowel. My, my bowels are bad. <laughs> Your bowels are bad. Sometimes my bowels are bad. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys want to support my bowels, go to patreon.com slash up for discussion. If you pledge as much as a dollar, nice things will happen to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like our fine friends, Joanne, Patrick, and Nathan, who currently support us at varying levels. Yeah. Um, you pledge more than five dollars you too can suggest a future topic of conversation for us to babble about for an hour and if you want it can be you too yeah you could you could get us to talk about you too yeah yeah how did they get on your iphone yeah how did we get on your iphone topical reference probably by the podcast app if we're on your iphone it wasn't that difficult true true um yeah uh and if you give us more than five dollars there's a bunch of other cool things you can find out all about those on there um uh, yeah i'm tom zalatni i'm tim blay this has been acapella science yeah no it hasn't <laughs> <laughs> uh oh philip went
smile, I am undone. My son, look at my son. Pride is not the word I'm looking for. There is so much more inside me now. Oh, Philip, you outshine the morning sun. My son, when you smile, I fall apart, and I thought I was so smart. My father wasn't around. My father wasn't around. I swear that I'll be, be around, around for you. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll make the world safe and sound for you. To come of age with our young nation. We'll bleed and fight for you. We'll make it right for you. If we lay a strong enough foundation, we'll pass it on to you. We'll make the world for you and you'll blow us all away. Someday, someday. Yeah, you'll blow us all away. Someday, someday. Yeah, you'll blow us all away. Patreon.com slash up for discussion. Give us your money.